Hey guys, welcome back to Financial Flex with Lex. Let's change the way we talk about money. Happy Tuesday, guys. It's Alex, your host. Um, It's February. Holy crap, January is over and done with, and we are in the next month. Valentine's Day is just two weeks away. Um, I feel like John and I really don't make a big deal about Valentine's Day at all, so I don't even really know like what we're going to do for that. I don't know. I'll have to ask him. But let's see. As far as life updates go, we're still chugging away at these loans. Hopefully, we'll be able to make it, um, an extra $2,000 payment this month um, because John worked a lot in January. So hopefully, that translates into more cash um, this month for him. Um, we have been seriously discussing buying a house. Um, we decided that um, this summer we're going to start looking at houses. Um, and when I mean houses, I really just mean like condos or townhomes. Um, I don't think either one of us, are, we're not really ready for the responsibility of having like a full-blown house with a yard and all that stuff. Like, we don't want to do yard work and we don't really want a really big place because for just now it's just the two of us um and Juno of course and so we just need like enough space for her to run around and enough space for the two of us and as our family expands which okay I don't know about you guys but people love asking me like when John and I are going to have children and I find it kind of funny because I'm just like, oh my gosh, I feel like you guys want us to have kids more than like we want to have kids. It's really funny. So, um, yeah, we don't really want like that big of a house because for right now it's just the two of us. We don't have plans on like expanding our family, you know, at least not for like another like three or four years. So, yeah, we're going to like look at look at places in the summer, kind of see what we can afford, um, you know, with our with our income and go from there we have discussed moving out of Georgia and maybe looking at Texas or Chicago but I think realistically for us we'll probably just end up staying um, in Georgia and hopefully just like moving back to Atlanta um, because we definitely want to be in the city area we miss it like so much um but other than that I mean there's not much else going on so I guess I'll just get right into today's episode. So I honestly can't tell you how I came across Allie's Twitter. And I do remember it was during the summer because that was when I was heavily looking for like any job like in communications. And I think I might have found her like on like a thread of some sort, but I came across her profile and I was like oh my gosh this girl reminds me so much of myself or whatever and so I've just been kind of like following her like journey um along on the internet and I thought that she would be a great person to have on as a guest so Allie is a freelance writer um and blogger for her own self-titled blog yourgirlali.com and on today's episode we discuss like her moving from New York back to her hometown in Monk's Corner, South Carolina, to eventually um, LA, where she's currently residing, and just pretty much navigating the whole entire move and taking that leap, as well as 
the influencer space. So I'm sure a lot of you guys remember during the summer, there was a lot of, I want to say people demanding call to actions, I guess, if that's like the best way to phrase it. But a lot of content creators, a lot of white influencers and, you know, just people who weren't black being like, no, you need to support black content creators, black influencers, you know, here are some of my favorite ones. They're awesome, blah, blah, blah. And it felt like there was this really big push, people posting like black boxes, all of the things, right? And now that we're several months removed from that, that hype has died down. And you're probably thinking, okay, Alex, this literally has nothing to do with money. Why are you talking about it? Well, it's because brands look at, you know, engagement, um, followers, likes, all of those kinds of analytics. So your rate is based off of those things. And so essentially, it's hurting black creators financially to be getting like the short end of the stick, which is why we also, you know, discuss that whole thing. But I really loved speaking with Allie. Like, if I could have talked to her for, like, another hour, I totally would have. Um, It's a great conversation, and I hope you guys, you know, gain a few gems, have a few giggles, and enjoy. If you haven't yet, um, please don't forget to leave a five-star rating and review. And keep up with the podcast on Instagram at Financial Flex Podcast. All right, let's get into today's episode. Alrighty, so my name is Ali Ariane. I am a 20-something living in Los Angeles, California. I am a freelance writer, digital content creator, and blogger for my self-titled platform called yourgirlally.com. And I'm here to reshape mindsets and set people free through reimagination. So that's me. <laughs> I've been following you. Oh my gosh. It feels like it has to be like at least like two or three years now. And like, oh, snap. I, yeah, I honestly, I can't remember how I, cause I found you on Twitter first. I'm like, I feel like she's like me, but not, I was like, I such a vibe, like I'm obsessed. So how to like follow you on like Twitter and Instagram and all that good stuff. You mentioned that you're living in LA, but you, mm-hmm. you didn't always live in LA. So yeah. Tell us about your journey from your hometown to Los Angeles. Yeah, so that was a very like faith-filled adventure, I would say, because at the time um I had I was living in New York from 2016 to like midway through 2017. And then I had some unexpected life shifts happen that caused me to have to move back home to Monk's Corner, South Carolina. And um, that year that that year and a half that I was in Monk's Corner back home after just living this lavish, you know, media life and stuff was very depressing. I was in a very dark place. And um, I just really needed God to like show me what my next step was and what my next window of opportunity looked like. So um, I had been like, uh, I guess like, a, I don't know how to call it, what like how to call what it is, but basically um, I attend church online through Elevation Church and they're based in Charlotte, North Carolina. And so I got an internship opportunity out there as a social media intern. And that was a very life-changing experience. So 
at the end of the internship, um, basically I had this really crazy fast that we went on as a group, a class of interns. And we were, you know, put things before us like, hey, like, what do you want? Like after this internship, what does that look like? And one of those things was either a full-time job or for me to be like the lead intern for the next class that came in. So um, I was hearing through the grapevine, like my name was like in the bucket to be a lead intern. But at the same time, I had just gotten a job offer for another company in Los Angeles. So I was literally in this like, which one do I do type of situation? And I prayed on it and I just felt like Los Angeles was the best choice. So getting there was difficult as far as saving because we were on an intern income and it was like, I think $150 a week that they were paying us. Oh, (laughs) that's that's criminal. (laughs) But like, it was, it was like, they took care of our housing and stuff like that. So that was like the main expense that uh, you know, a lot of people worry about when it comes to that type, those types of opportunities. So we had that income and there was really nothing else coming in at the time. And so I was like, I don't know how this is going to work. And I like told my interns about the job offer. And when I tell you, they started to pour into this move. Like I had one intern pay for my plane ticket there. I had another intern take care of my deposit for the apartment I was trying to get into when I moved Uh here. And when I tell you like everything, oh, like my dad's friend took care of some expenses. Like when I tell you it was literally through the generosity of others, I was even able to get to Los Angeles. God did that. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. And that's like a perfect segue into like, you know, what I was going to ask you next was just like the saving part of it, because moving across the country is definitely like not cheap. So did you have money? um, Were you saving like, you know, from the time you found out till your final move? Or did you have already money? Did you have money saved up already? Like, what did that look like? So when I tell you, and I don't even use the B word, over my life because I really tried to speak abundance but your girl was broke like broke like I was broke down I was broke in spirit and I was broke in my pockets like I was broke and so even getting into um getting into elevation I was a freelance writer for X on the cold which I am still now but at the time that was my only only source of income and even that was literally just enough for me to be okay and to not necessarily have to ask my dad for change or my sister for change like it was something that would just give me enough to be to feel like an adult and so when I shifted from there up into my internship a lot of it was just the remnants of a lot of those like checks that I had but it wasn't enough to make me feel like enough to be like okay you saved a great amount now you can move forward it was nothing like that and so as an intern um again the money went quickly because you want to engage you want to socialize you want to hang out with like your intern friends and explore the city and stuff like that and with the money we were getting a lot of it went towards that and like 
getting like decked out like elevation apparel like <laughs> like we were spending on stuff like that and so there really wasn't a lot of like saving plans that took place because it was just an entire faith move and to be completely transparent um if you are moving across the country please say <laughs> because there's so many like unexpected calls especially in Los Angeles if you don't have a car your ubers from LAX to wherever you're staying to work getting um you know your little metro pass like all those things like they do add up they really do and also waiting for your first check at your new job like I was fortunate enough for my check to come like and I I know this was a miracle but I think my first check came within a week I think if I'm if I'm not mistaken it was like I was down to my last and then it hit my deposit and I was like oh we thank God (laughs) and it was just it moved that way so I do not recommend uh, doing everything on Facebook that's just where the level I was at at the time but man you were deciding to like take a leap of faith and move somewhere at least give yourself that three months of security in your savings so that you can just breathe into the move. No, that definitely, definitely good advice. Makes sense. And, and also I want like people who are listening to also keep in mind that you had a job waiting for you when you moved to LA. You you didn't like, (laughs) (laughs) you weren't like, I'm going to take this leap of faith and like hope it all works out. Like you kind of already had a plan. So for those listening, just try to have a plan before you move. (laughs) Very, very important. Mm -hmm. Um, So I also, I wanted to know, like, you graduated in 2016, right? Or 2015. 2015. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Um, And did you graduate with any student loan debt? Oh my gosh, yes. But the thing is that I, um, so I had like a partial honor scholarship. Uh, If I like had better SAT scores, then I would have got full, but you know, we we ain't gonna go there. But um, (laughs) I did, I don't have as much debt as someone who just full out, you know, whatever loan services Sally Mae, Great Lakes that, you know, normal people, like normal setup going to college that people will have. I am grateful for the Pell Grant and for the scholarships that I had, but I did leave with debt. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and as of, like, as of now, are you paying on them? Are you kind of just like put, like putting them on pause until, you know, things kind of resume back to normal? So this is where you inspire me because I, um, I'm like, I don't know how, I'll be looking at you just checking out all these, and I was, I'm like, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen because I'm not checking for my loans, like, <laughs> I'm not checking for them, they are not seeing me right now because, like, it's not a stable situation, like, these the moratoriums that they're having on rent and on student loans, like, that should just be, hey, guys, we're all going through it. Just forget this ever happened. You know what I'm saying? Like, I wish the government would just do that. Um, and since they're not, I'm doing that for myself. Like, I'm just simply going to give back to them when I'm in a stable situation again. Because right now, it's really about, like, building. And, and I am budgeting, but my student loans aren't getting the attention that, you know, they may deserve. But I just feel like right now, for me, um, it's wise to take advantage of this grace period, especially since I think 
there's no interest at it right now either. Mm-hmm. So I'm taking advantage of the grace period. <laughs> They'll see me when I'm in a better place. <laughs> no, I do not blame you. I think like, I mean, for six months of 2020, like we didn't pay anything at all. So I definitely understand people being like, mm, like, I'm just gonna, they'll, they'll see me when they see me kind of thing. But yeah. I think um, because we're living with his parents, we have like a cushion and we know that like, we can kind of, we might as well take advantage of this like blessing um, because realistically like, like his parents aren't going to kick us out if we are not able to like you know give them money every month right. um so we were like let's just take advantage of it while we can so yes <laughs> no judgment here I, I definitely get it you mm-hmm. moving to LA I think maybe I'm glamorizing it generalizing it whatever but I feel like LA is where a lot of people want to be I mean like you see it all the time like from YouTubers Instagram influencers they're like, you know, I'm moving to LA. That's where I want to be. That's where everything is. And so I want to know, has LA like exceeded your expectations? Has it like, what, what do you, <laughs> what's to, going on? I'm not even going to dog LA like that. Cause I know this is people's like, home like I know like people have sacrificed a lot to to be in Los Angeles but it's not giving what it's supposed to give at this point in time um I'm gonna be real I am I okay so when the first of all my first year was um I felt like I was literally the new girl right off the plane for an entire year. And I wasn't really expecting that type of transition because I've lived in a big city before. I've lived in the big city before. And it wasn't really something I felt like I had to, it was like an upward climb to adjust. I feel like it was more of a seamless transition. In LA, things are a little bit different because it's so spread out. Like people don't really talk about the landscape of Los Angeles because it is, it's spread out. It's, there's distance upon distance and the traffic is a thing, but I don't have a car. So I think that's also been something that has kind of stifled my experience here. And I think that if I did have my own vehicle, I would be able to take advantage of a lot of the things that the city does have to offer, especially now in the pandemic, because sometimes you just want to go to the beach and you just want to be like by yourself. But when you got to like, I have a bike. So when you got a bike to the um, rail and then you got to get on the train and go down and send them, it's like, it's more treacherous than pleasurable. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I take Ubers everywhere and those Ubers like add up. I was looking at my budget and I was like, this is where my money is going. Like it's so like, it is a travesty. Like how much has to go into these Ubers simply to get to Trader Joe's or just get out of the house. And so I think maybe for like the last four months, I've just been inside. Like I've, you know, I take my walks and stuff, but other than that, there's really not a lot going on other than that. And pre-pandemic, it was fine, but I was like blown away. Like, I don't know, like I, I wasn't like blown away from about, from the experience of Los Angeles. Um, I'm not trying to dog it though. I'm sorry. I, I really hope it doesn't sound like I'm trying to dog LA. No, not at all. I don't think so. 
Okay. This is just my, <laughs> this is the experience that I have had. And, you know, two, a couple of things. You need a car. <laughs> that's like, that's bottom line. So if we're talking about saving and budgeting and allotting, you know, your income for that expense, it, it's really wise to have a vehicle of your own. Um, and also rent is just as high here as it is in New York. And if you can opt to like find a roommate, I do think that that is wise. Um, and if you can't and you opt to live alone, it is best to make sure that like whatever stream of income, if you have a full-time job or if you're an entrepreneur, like it has to exceed what your rent is so that you can not just work to make rent you can actually work have an income have you know your leisure your bills pay and live a life that's fulfilling you know because that's a lot of things that can play into that no for sure so if you don't mind me asking do you have roommates or do you live by yourself I do and I have ever since I moved here what's the most you've ever if if you're comfortable sharing what's the most Mm. you've ever paid like in rent my last my last place, my last place was, um, I think I was paying 1500 for a bedroom, the most beautiful bedroom I've ever had in my life. It was like a little bungalow. So I had, I had like my own little nook in the back and the sunlight was good. And it was, you know, a nice, very spacious, it was big enough to fit a queen size bed and then have room on the side. Um, and it was in Lamert Park. And that is like, I, I've never loved the neighborhood and community so much because it's just so deeply hued there's so many people who look like us who live there and are established there and you know you can walk up you know the street called Degden and you'll get to like downtown Lamert, where mm-hmm. that's where all the cultural scenes happen so I loved that place if I could have found something that was less expensive oh I'd still be there I'd still be there it was beautiful <laughs> that sounds like a dream Mm-hmm. It was. <laughs> LA is also like I meant, like I mentioned, like home to a lot of influencers and YouTube. And mm-hmm. I think the pandemic kind of I don't know, like shed a light on yeah. influencers and just how some of them aren't as genuine as they like portray themselves to be. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I've seen articles, I read articles like death to influencer culture or like, you know, the old way of being an influencer is gone. Um, and in my mind, I see you as like an influencer. So Thank I just want to know, yeah, you're welcome. So <laughs> I just want to know, like, what are your thoughts on influencer culture and just like the overall, like, I guess, impact that they have? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, I think I think what's funny is that I feel like there was a depth like celebrity culture. Like in the transition that was happening, I felt like COVID was like the great equalizer and it really brought a lot of people down to size. And it's it's kind of strange now because I do feel like people are kind of looking for salacious ways to like make their name known again or to be in the mm-hmm. headlines again. Even more so than it was before, because obviously, you know, there would be no shade room if there wasn't for like elaborate schemes to for for uh, publicity, (laughs) excuse me, (laughs) 
Um, but now it just seems like you have to do more because there's no set environments outside of what you create in order to be seen and noticed. And so I feel like there was a depth to celebrity culture. When it came, when it comes to influencer culture, I do feel like there's been a shift. Um, and I don't feel like people are hungry for a certain lifestyle that was once like portrayed as the lifestyle that you need to strive and achieve to. I think people are looking for like hope and a reason to like live if that's Mm -hmm. not too morbid because like there really is this like mindset like what is all this even for like if this is how life is going to be then like why am I here like it's it's been very existential for a lot of people lately and I think I think influencers have like shifted or not necessarily shifted but the ones who have a place of light and healing and um, insight into how to actually hope for another day and to put out content that's inspiring and encouraging and insightful and may bring you a laugh or something thought-provoking. I think those people have been pushed to the front because, you know, as a collective, I think we're all drawn to certain things at a certain time. And I think this time is calling forth people who actually have tools and insights to feel better about our existence as opposed to having to strive and uplift capitalism and uplift consumerism in order to live a life that's worth living. So I think that's been the shift in my point of view. No, that definitely, um, that makes sense because yeah, people are looking like, I mean, when you're stuck at home, I mean, the last thing you want to see is someone's like super nice, like glam room or like whatever. You're like, okay, I'm not going out to get ready to go anywhere. So like, why (laughs) why do I care again? But I want to ask you too, like at the, like last summer, right? There was like a huge push for, you know, Black creators, Black influencers for them to really like, I guess, be seen because- I like I see it all the time and I'm sure you do like our white counterparts just ever like a white influencer and a black influencer can do like the exact same thing and I've seen it but like for some reason the white influencer will have like hundreds of thousands of likes and views but right. then the black influencer has like you know less than 10k and you're kind of mm-hmm. like okay where's the disconnect here like I don't get it is it just mm-hmm. like you're like the only thing could be is because she's black yeah. and So like over the summer, there was like a really huge push for, you know, Black creators, like, you know, just giving them the respect that they deserved. And like, you know, I even saw like some influencers that I follow being like, oh, here's some of my favorite Black creators, blah, blah, blah. It just seemed like there was like a big push. And it's funny to look at it like a few months later, like almost a year down down the line. And it's like crickets again. And it's like the same, yeah, it's like the same thing. Just to like tie it back to money, like, you know, views and likes and following, like that all equates to money when you're working with like these brands. So it's like you almost can't ignore it because it's like yeah. ruining people's livelihoods, you know? Mm-hmm. No, I definitely understand. I think that's a place of frustration for me as well. Um, because um I do strive to make my corner of the internet like a better place. Like, I mean, I am understanding like my place on the internet and, you know, when things like go viral and trends start to 
develop online. I try to see like where I fit in that. And, you know, like lately, like the busted down challenges, like the busted <laughs> challenge is something that's been really popular. And I was like, I, I, this is cute, but what do I look like busting it down talking about thank you Lord for the day and now let me bust it real quick like I was like I would love to but I can't partake and it's like you know you you can literally if you get on a trend quickly you can literally like your life can change overnight it really can like I know people don't like to talk about like overnight sensations and you know blowing up overnight and things like that but I have literally seen and watched like people in the in the realm of who I follow post something in the beat of you know something trending and literally blow up and so last summer it was a little bit frustrating I'm sure for a lot of people because um when I start to really tap into my voice as a blogger um 2013, 14, 15, 16, you know, we're looking at Trayvon Martin and we're looking at Mike Brown and uh, Sandra Blinn, all these, the Charleston Nine. I mean, I was literally like, I'm, I'm, I live in Monk's, I lived in Monk's Corner, South Carolina, and that's like an hour away from Charleston. And so I remember the day the Charleston Nine happened. I remember how the air felt. I remember literally feeling like all the oxygen being sucked out in the life being sucked out of the low country because of the heinous and like sinister act that was committed on these black folk in a church like where can you go if you're not safe in the church and so when I think back on that and actually writing about that on my platform and you know it getting a little hit there and a little hit there but not you know nothing else really coming of it and then you see this resurgence of awareness and you can literally just like cry on camera now everybody's like she's the one we want to focus our attention on and it's very strange and odd to watch especially when like this is this isn't something a lot of us are new to. This is something a lot of us are true to. And so I can completely understand the frustration um, for like, I, and I'm sorry, I don't want to be the one, but like these new Blacks who like come into their awareness and so like, yo, like we've been over here talking about this. And so it is frustrating. It really is. And so when I listen and see, you know, these white curators post these Black boxes and then, it becomes a thing to be aware and stuff like that. It's actually annoying if I'm going to be completely like transparent because I don't want to hear that from you. I, I really don't. I, I don't. Like, I don't want to hear that particular thing from you. You're not someone I want to receive that from, if that makes sense. Um, I want to know how you're changing the hearts of, or trying to help change the hearts of the people, family members who actually have hate in their heart, who actually have these deep-seated, deep-rooted inclinations against Black folk. Like, it's something that I, I don't know if you can even post that online. But I think because it's something that was trendy and is trendy right now, of course you're going to see it as a money graph. Of course it's something you're going to want to strive to be a part of and be the face of, even if your heart's not in it. And I think a lot of people are seeing the truth come out and seeing the light and seeing the darkness and seeing how they come into play. And I've, I've, I've been one of those people like, I can take or leave y'all. <laughs> like, I don't know how else to put it.
I'm sorry, Alex, if this is sounding crazy, you're probably going to have to edit this. <laughs> oh my gosh, no. It it totally makes sense. Okay. Because I was just like, it's it's really, it's really frustrating because like this isn't for a lot of Black folk. Like this isn't just like a game to us. You know what I'm saying? Like when we talk about injustices, and it, it, when we even talk about representation in the media and things that I'm passionate about representation in the media and what we actually see and what stories are being told online, like that's something that's not a game to me because I know stories shape mind frames. And so if certain stories aren't being told or certain stories or are being told incorrectly, that's still shaping a mind frame. And so mm-hmm. to see that kind of be lost in our grasp as Black people because who is actually in the opportunities to uh, tell those stories is a bit discouraging, to be honest. No, it is. So how, how, can, how can the powers that be fix that, you think? I think they need to move like I think they need to like move out the way that like there's a point where you have to know that you can't do this job because it exceeds your experience and if I have to present my resume to show that I'm qualified for a job I feel like that same onus should be on anyone who's a decision maker and a gatekeeper in this space where you're saying like, I can't, my experience exceeds this particular concept. It exceeds this particular event, social event, cultural event, um, just global event that's taking place. Who can I actually call on to portray these stories and to tell these stories from an authentic place? But if you are too intimidated and afraid that you'll lose a certain standing because you let someone in, then nothing will ever change. You know, I think a lot of companies have been getting by um, by doing the bare minimum and by, you know, outsourcing help on the 15th of January for a Black History Month campaign. And it's like, well, our existence in our culture doesn't end and begin in February. It is a lifelong, year-long, decade-long like centuries long lineage and if you only call on us when you need to make a certain advertisement for a certain month then it's never going to be corrected because our existence exists literally like every single day it's not Mm -hmm. just for a month it's not just when one of us dies and gets killed like that's not when our existence matter it matters it matters literally right now in this moment, every moment, it doesn't change. And so that's frustrating. I don't know, I'm sorry, I get really, <laughs> move out the way is what I'm saying. Like, like they have to move out the way and like let new voices in. And also like, you know, look outside the people who have 100k 10k people not to disqualify them you know I don't know what it took them to get to the place they're at but numbers don't qualify numbers can qualify your expert expertise expertise but it shouldn't stop there like just because someone has like a large following and someone doesn't it doesn't mean that that person's less qualified because they have a, a account or following under 10k like their mm-hmm. voice still matters and what they have to say still matters so tap into those voices too right and sometimes even those people with like you know less 
uh, less followers have even more influence than those with a hundred mm-hmm. or millions of, of followers. So yeah, like you said, it's just like tap into those people. Like yeah. they're not they're not less than you know. Like they're mm-hmm. just as important. It maybe maybe even more so because they're following. <laughs> feels more yeah. connected to them you know right yes 100 percent. so yeah but yeah i could definitely hear how passionate you are about, yeah i'll start about stuff i sit with, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sit with this stuff like mm, i don't like how this smells so yeah that was like a little <laughs> chunk <laughs> no you're totally fine um so you mentioned earlier that you are a freelancer so is that basically like your full-time full-time hustle it is. It is. I was going to say it is, unfortunately, but I'm not going to I'm not going to uh, play myself like that. But it is right now. Um, I will say that I kind of had like a moment entering 2021 where I was just completely like exhausted and burnt out. Um, I had a couple like client things that took place and I was like, is this the life I want? Like, I don't know. Like it had me kind of like rethinking a lot of stuff. Um, I am grateful that even in the midst of the pandemic, I've been able to like find a way to pivot. Um, But I do feel like that has put my passion, love of writing kind of in a place of resentment in a way where I kind of, don't always want to tap into my writing in order to be, um, in order to survive, you know, and I want to write freely and playfully and like a child, like I want to tap into that childlike playfulness of my writing because I love it. It's the one thing that has literally been with me for the entirety of like my life and to see it kind of shifted into like this money machine of like, you got to produce, you got to create, you got to tap in, you got to do this. It's, I really felt like I lost my friend, if that makes sense, because Mm -hmm. of the detachment that I felt having to transition from having this thing that I love that could just, you know, if I want to write a story, they'll come to me and I'll put it out there. And then transitioning into a place where I had to literally pitch and pitch and pitch and do you guys like this is this something you guys be interested in does your publication want want to run this story then became like I wasn't telling my stories from an authentic place it was mm-hmm. me telling a story because I had to make my invoice you know get to a place so that I could make rent and get food and do this and do that. So right. um, I'm not going to lie. I'm definitely looking for <laughs> full-time opportunities right now because um, I want to love writing again. Um, I don't want to manipulate it. I don't want to see it kind of, you know, abused in the way that I feel like it was getting to. Um, and Yeah. Long story short, I'm a freelance writer. This is the story of my life. <laughs> so it's like, it's not as, I, cause I, I, I feel like, especially on Twitter and stuff, people glamorize like freelancing and entrepreneurship. And mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. like sometimes it's like, you know, it's not very glamorous. Sometimes it does, you know, get tiring having to depend on something that you used to love solely just for enjoy, enjoyment, yes. have it turn into like a money-making machine, like you said. Mm-hmm. And then you're just kind of like, this isn't fun anymore. Like I don't right. want to do it. And like, I noticed some people who may do like super back, back-breaking physical labor, mm-hmm. being like a creative or having like a creative job seems like such light work, but like you do get burnt out. You do oh, get- sure 
you do get tired. Like I had like the same sentiments like a couple months back. Like I was just like, I had to like really sit and be like, do I want to keep doing what I'm doing? Because I'm literally like drained. I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to keep creating stuff because I'm, I'm, I'm literally so drained. So, um, I can only imagine like having to basically like rely on yourself for income, like how stressful, um, that can be. But with that being said, as we, you know, come to the end of our conversation, sadly, I wish we could like talk for like another hour. (laughs) Um, what's next for you? Mm, What's next for you, girl? Um, I will say that there are some things that I'm now confident enough to put out into the world that I feel like I was kind of like hoarding a bit. Um, so on, on the content side, uh, there's definitely be a lot of like video content coming out because I feel like I need to like talk more. Um, my writing has been a great tool in order to get my voice across but I literally have a tattoo that says speak and it always in a very weird way don't think I'm a weirdo but sometimes it glows when I need like that reminder to like say what's on my heart so there's definitely be like more like video content coming out on my end um and I want to like start directing things because also my imagination is very vast so I want to put the things in my head into actual visual pieces um you might actually see another hyphen on my name as an author soon um and I I'm going to be someone's full-time employment because I need to get my life back on track (laughs) so those are the things in the pipeline no I love it (laughs) I love it all seems so obtainable and within your reach for sure so 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. Oh, and I got a birthday in March. So I want something to celebrate. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So. Wait, what? When's your birthday? My birthday is March 1st. Oh, really? You Okay, so mm. you're we're kind of like the same namesake as well. That's crazy. I'm March 10th. Oh, wow. So you're a Pisces too? I am. I don't claim it though. What? <laughs> Because I'm like, I'm looking at these zodiacs and horoscopes. I'm like, I be feeling like a Gemini sometimes. I feel like a Libra sometimes. <laughs> so yeah, but yes, I am a Pisces. Oh, <laughs> I feel like I'm a true definition of a Pisces. Like really? Very emotion- yeah, very sensitive, very emotional. Mm-hmm. But that's like about all of that. Like all I know as far as zodiac goes. Like I'm not yeah. like super, super in depth. Mm-hmm. But um, where can people find you? Okay, so I'm literally all across the internet on Twitter instagram and my personal website at your girl Allie. that's y-a-g-i-r-l-a-l-e-y yeah perfect (laughs) thank you so much alex thank you so much for having me this is great